0: staring ahead, seat tilted slightly back. As he climbed into the front seat, he knew he should have paid more attention to the approaching footsteps, the rustle of fabric as someone hurried toward him. He should have slammed the door shut and locked it. But Seymour was too shocked at the realization that his wife wasn't alive. One hundred miles up the shore on the Michigan side, a gray wolf charged through darkened forest preserves leaping over fallen tree limbs and dodging fence posts. It broke through the underbrush and headed for the shoreline. The wolf paused on the shore and gazed at blinking lights across Lake Michigan. Beyond the smokestacks of the steel mills and glitter of the various casinos was home, Cedar Point, Indiana. The desire to go back was strong, but the fatigue was stronger. A rustling in the underbrush prompted the wolf to jerk its head around unfamiliar territory was not a good place to rest. The wolf, gathering speed as it turned from the shore, bolted for the cover of the woods, then stopped abruptly to listen for human sounds. When certain there were no witnesses, the wolf picked up speed again, then leaped toward a sturdy tree limb twelve feet above the ground. In the dark, no one would see the change. It had been swift. One moment the wolf's paws had reached for the branch, the next moment... They were the sturdy talons of a gray hawk. The hawk's vision would detect more in the dark than the wolf's. Pushing off the limb, the hawk's powerful wing beats propelled it higher. Wind currents caught its underwing converts, and the hawk gracefully glided in a circular motion as it searched for a place to spend the night. A row of pricey homes dotted the shoreline ahead. From this altitude, the hawk's visual acuity could enable it to count the legs on a spider. It detected blinking lights through the windows of the homes. It knew these homes had alarm systems. It didn't smell smoke from the chimneys and sense heat. The homes were closed up for the winter. Several of the homes had boathouses. One boathouse was larger than the rest. Through the windows, the hawk could see living quarters, a fireplace with wood stacked next to it and blankets folded and laying on a bed. The hawk circled slowly, looking for an alarm system or any type of surveillance cameras. There weren't any. It swooped down and shifted swiftly back into the wolf, who splashed into the icy waters and paddled to the boathouse. The wolf dipped under the double doors, then leaped onto the concrete floor, shaking the chilly waters from its fur. Two jet skis were stored on a trailer to the left. A boat covered with a tarp was on a trailer to the right. Paw prints dotted the walkway between the inlet and the dry-docked jet-skis. The wolf halted again to shake the water from its fur. As the door to the living quarters drew closer, there was an abrupt change to the paw prints. They were unmistakably human. Chapter 2 Dagger set the newspaper on the table and hung up his leather coat. Heartburn was digging a small crater in his stomach, and he cursed himself for eating at a truck stop. After filling a cup with cold coffee from the coffee maker, he placed it in the microwave and pushed the reheat button. Outside the window, the snow clung stubbornly to trees and bushes. It had been a brief dusting of snow last night that had quickly melted from the streets and sidewalks. He wrestled the tie from his hair and rubbed his fingers across his scalp. He already regretted the job Simon had talked him into. A friend of a friend, Simon had said. A very rich friend of a friend, who lived in South Bend, Indiana. For the past eight weeks, Dagger had turned down every request, no matter how desperate it sounded, claiming he was too busy. He certainly didn't need the money. Truth was, Dagger hadn't felt like doing anything, choosing instead to wallow in guilt. It was his fault Sarah had left. With cup in hand, he moved through the house with a nagging sense that something had changed. After gulping down half of the stale brew, which only served to irritate the crater, he set the cup on his desk and checked on Einstein. The macaw was perched by the door inside the aviary, his eyes following Dagger's moves. Einstein shoved his beak between the grated bars, and Dagger stroked the top of the bird's head. "'Hey, bud, what's wrong?' Einstein blinked slowly and shuffled his claws on the perch. Dagger retrieved a Brazil nut from his desk drawer and held it up. The bird looked away and buried its head under its wing. Dagger sensed that change again, as though the very air in the house had shifted.